If you enjoy listening to Clinical Conversations, why not become a member of the Royal College of Physicians of Edinburgh? Our membership provides you with access to the RCPE educational portal, the live evening medical updates, and you have options to view the symposia both in person or online. If you would like to learn more about this, please go to the Royal College of Physicians of Edinburgh website. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Clinical Conversations run by the Trainees and Members Committee at the Royal College of Physicians of Edinburgh. I'm Libby Sampi and today I'm delighted to speak with Dr Jess Gurney about quality improvement. Dr Gurney is a lecturer on the MSc Clinical Education course at the University of Edinburgh. She's co-lead of a 40 credit course on quality improvement in relation to clinical education within the MSc and she's also working clinically in medicine of the elderly and acute medicine. Welcome, Dr. Gurney. Hello, thank you for having me. No problem. So quality improvement is something we've obviously, well, most of us will have heard of, and most of us will have been involved some way or another with quality improvement in clinical practice. But could you talk to us a little bit about what quality improvement is and why we do it in healthcare? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I think at this point, most people are fairly familiar with the idea of quality improvement, but taking the definition from the Health Foundation, which I think is quite a nice generic one, quality improvement is a systematic and coordinated approach to solving a problem using specific methods and tools with the aim of bringing about measurable improvement. And I like that definition because it is generic and within the MSc, we think about quality improvement in relation to education as well as clinically. And lots of the definitions that you look at are kind of very healthcare oriented. But in terms of why we do it in healthcare, really we're thinking about patient outcomes and quality improvement gives us the opportunity to identify problem areas that we think for improvement. And these are usually around providing safe, effective patient-centered care that is timely and efficient and equitable. And because we want the best for our patients, we can often identify areas within clinical practice that fall under these headings that we have the opportunity to improve. And I also think the second reason why a lot of people end up doing it is because it's becoming an increasing priority on a bigger scale and as such is integrated into many training program requirements. So even if people on a personal level didn't have that individual motivation, it will be built into their training program as a requirement for them to do. Yeah, I can definitely recognize that in many people's practice, I'm sure. I think one thing often people wonder is what is actually the difference between audits and quality improvement? I wondered if you could explore that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think people often consider them as fairly similar and really they are fundamentally similar approaches within a quality paradigm. And I think if we were thinking about an audit, within an audit we're comparing the performance within an area or within an institution against a specific marker that's a set standard. And that may include a change process and then re-audit to look for improvement in that area. And so that in that way, it can follow a similar structure to quality improvement. But actually, often from an audit point of view, it's more of a quality assurance function. So we're measuring the practice that we currently have ongoing um, to an externally set marker. So we're making sure that we're achieving that quality measure that's externally set, as opposed to necessarily coming at it from a improvement mindset and so from that point of view audit is often more about the data than it is necessarily about the intervention 
Whereas quality improvement, I think, is more focused about the improvement aspect and can be more creative and localized. So from that point of view, you're not necessarily comparing to an external set standard and therefore it can be applicable to things that there are not easily identifiable standards for comparison to. And it can be much broader in its approach to improvement as opposed to audit, which is usually looking at one very specific marker. And usually in an audit, you're looking at collecting a data set. If you're not meeting the externally set standards, putting in an intervention and then collecting the data again at set time point. Whereas in quality improvement, it's often much more continuous data collection with an evolving improvement process and iterative testing going on throughout. So although I think they do have parallels, I think QI can tend to be more creative, specific and localized to your own context. Great. Thank you so much for clarifying that for us. I suppose also thinking towards sort of quality improvement and that sort of iterative process and ongoing measurements, are there any particular principles or theoretical frameworks behind QI that perhaps differ, say, to audit or are particular for this process? So I think one of the key principles behind QI is the consistent use of an agreed methodology for that iterative process of testing change ideas. And so that is a continuous process of planning and testing changes and studying and learning from the results and adapting your approaches as required. And in terms of the methodology, there's lots of different frameworks that are available. And some of the commonly cited ones include the model for improvement, Lean, Sigma 6. And the Lean and Sigma 6 ones, I think, are generally less used in healthcare. Like, particularly in the NHS, they have a preference, I think, from like my own experience and from most of the teaching for a plan, do, study, act cycle and a model for improvement. But I think fundamentally it doesn't really matter which methodology you choose as long as you choose one that's aligned with what you're trying to achieve and then consistently stick with that agreed methodology to provide some framework and robustness to the change intervention that you're trying to put in place. And I think in terms of the principles, part of the principles of QI is about empowering staff and service users to be involved in improvement work and then using data to drive improvement over time. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. I think one thing that we've all been reflecting on a bit is the sort of buzzword sustainability particularly towards quality improvement and making sure the changes you're making and improvements you're making are sustainable into the future. I wondered if you could chat a bit about what we actually mean by sustainability and also perhaps what we mean by quality improvement and the quality part of that. What makes the QI project sustainable? Yeah, absolutely. It's like becoming an increasing priority within all of healthcare that healthcare needs to be sustainable. But I think it depends on the context as to what we really mean by sustainability and I think sustainability is within QI is really well covered by SUSQI which is a resource from the Centre of Sustainable Healthcare and when they talk about sustainability they're talking about the fact that we have finite resources and so you have to be considering the potential benefits of a quality improvement project against the potential impacts and they would be across environmental financial and social impact of any intervention. I think in the MSc course, we tend to think of more broadly of sustainability 
as the ability for a change, if it showed a benefit, to be lasting within the institution that were implementing the change and wider. And I suppose this is a broader view because we would incorporate all of the components that SUSQI speak about, because if the change is too resource intensive to be justified by the benefit, then it can't be a lasting change. But I think that also thinks more holistically as to the design of QI, specifically in the planning stage, in terms of creating a culture for change, leadership of your project and getting stakeholders on board and how that can result in longevity of a project. Because I think from my experience and from the literature, a lot of QI doesn't have any longevity because of the solutionist approach that we take to it. And we see a problem area, but we don't really consider the wider context. We think we have a solution that we want to implement, but we haven't tried to lay the groundwork for that culture for change. So I think sustainability can be thought of more broadly as to how we make a change that is going to last. And then in terms of what is quality, I think that's actually a massive question and it's very context and problem specific. So it's difficult for me to give you a like good comprehensive answer to what is quality. And within the master's course, we spend a whole week thinking about what is quality within the student's own context and within their own problem area. But I think it's generically how well something that can be a process or a service meets the requirements for it. And I think more than being able to give a specific definition, I feel like quality is something that we know when we see it or we experience it. But sometimes it can be challenging to pin down exactly what it was that makes something quality in a generic fashion that's applicable outside of that specific setting. And I also think the idea of quality might change dependent on the perspective or level at which you're considering a problem. And so, for example, within healthcare, thinking about things on a system level versus thinking about things on an individual patient level, the kind of perspectives of quality that we have from those two points of view might differ in a way that is not cohesive. So I think when anyone's undertaking a quality improvement project, it's important to think for that specific problem area and within your specific context, what does quality look like and how would we know that? And that might be from your own point of view, but also getting other people in your area involved in thinking about what you want to be aiming for when you're trying to improve quality. Absolutely. It's very context specific, isn't it? And I suppose that goes back to sort of planning of the whole project in itself and assessing what you want at that point and how you're going to go about making these measurements and making these changes and interventions. I know you spoke a little bit about different methodologies and I know there are probably lots of different ones. I've heard of a few, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about different QI methodologies and when you would use which one and if certain ones are suited to different types of projects. Yeah, absolutely. So I think Partly, it depends what people mean when they talk about QI methodology. So I think most people think about the overarching frameworks that you might use. And the most common ones really that people think about is that plenty study act cycle. And so the model for improvement is the one step up from a plenty study act cycle, where the first part of that is asking yourself three questions, which is what are we trying to accomplish? How do we know if a change is an improvement and what changes can we make that would result in an improvement? And then when you've answered those questions, you can then go on to run a plan to study act cycle and test and implement your changes in actual work settings and then kind of review with the results and repeat as needed. And lean 
and stigma six is another one of those frameworks that people think about and that's broken up in it's a little bit of a parallel to the plan do study act but it's define measure analyze improve and control i think this is less commonly used within healthcare because it's mainly aimed at streamlining processes and reducing waste, which sometimes is amenable to the problems within a healthcare environment. But I think within healthcare, often the problem areas are so complex that taking a kind of streamlining and reducing waste approach is usually not quite compatible with what people are trying to achieve. So I think it depends what the problem is as to do what framework you would want to use. And then this is what I mean by it depends what you think of as methodologies, because those are a couple of frameworks that you might use to structure your project overall. But then within that, some people would consider things like fishbone diagrams and run charts and process mapping as methodologies. But the Healthcare Quality Improvement Partnership has loads of really useful resources about what those tools are and how they can be used and you can use them independently or in combination with each other as in your project as kind of needed and as is suitable for the problem area that you've identified. That's great. Thank you so much for running us through those different methodologies and different useful tools that can be used when you're thinking about doing a QI project. I suppose sometimes in these situations, it's good to consider more examples of when something goes successfully, when something is maybe struggling as a project. I didn't know if you had any or could discuss an example of perhaps a good QI project you've been involved with or seen or one that's not worked out quite so well? Yeah, I think if I think about what I think is a really useful paper by Mary Dixon Woods and their colleagues about the 10 challenges to quality improvement, which essentially summarizes the 10 most common pitfalls of quality improvement and why they don't succeed, I think essentially the good projects that I've seen and the poor projects I've seen have either overcome those challenges or not and often those are about creating that culture for change taking a step back making sure you've considered where downstream effects of this project would be and taking a more holistic view of the change intervention that you want to put in place and part of that is leadership and specific planning of you know how you're going to convince people there's a problem and how you're going to convince people of the solution that you want to implement and i think within the msc we're getting some draft projects from the students because they've just had their first submission that is showing real promise in terms of being really thoroughly thought through and considered from every point of view with plans to follow stringent methodology and exactly what data will be collected and how that represents the quality that we're looking for and then what we'll do with that data and if i think about examples of poor ones then probably i can think about the ones that i first did after i qualified when you come into a department and somebody says we need to do a quality improvement project on this because it's a bigger institutional priority which sounds promising because it sounds like people are already invested but actually often I think it just gets left to one person so for example I did a quality improvement project about making sure all patients over the age of 65 had had a comprehensive geriatric assessment within 72 hours of being admitted to hospital and this is kind of in keeping with um, national guidelines for geriatric and is something that we weren't doing in any kind of formal fashion but nobody was keen on the change intervention and the nurses felt like it would add a lot of extra work for them the push for the change was really from me and one other f1 and then as soon as we left the department then 
there was kind of no emphasis behind that anymore and it completely just fell to the wayside so integrating that culture for change making sure you're getting people on board trying to come up with the most appropriate change intervention for the problem that you're trying to address that is agreed by the whole team and then being open to the fact that that might not work and flexible in then how you'll take that forward and I think within that there needs to be some collaboration that part of that sustainability is having other people on board and involved in your project because I think no project can be sustainable if the driving force is one single person in particularly the rotational nature of most people's jobs is that you will inevitably leave that department and potentially that entire hospital and then if nobody else was on board with your project then there can be no sustainability or longevity to it if no one's going to take the lead on that after you leave. Yeah absolutely I think probably a lot of people can relate to that situation and recognize the difficulties there and the challenges involved with particularly when you move around so much as juniors often do. You've spoken a bit about challenges associated with the quality improvement projects. Are there any other challenges, but also benefits that you would link with doing a quality improvement project? I mean, I think the benefits are potentially very multifactorial. So mostly our overarching aim within quality improvement in healthcare is the patient outcomes and the patient impact that that might have. So if everybody is taking an improvement mindset within the working environment, then we would hope that we can implement better patient outcomes. And I think as well, as part of that, if you're successfully implementing a project, then you probably have created a culture within a team that has a mindset towards improvement. And so even if it was just you leading it, if something is successful, then that gives other people the ability and opportunity to take that on board and hopefully embody that culture within a team towards improvement and I think there is both the personal and collective satisfaction of improving any process or service and particularly if it's resulting in better patient outcomes and again back to that being um, now it is pretty much essential for most trainees to be involved in QI then I think the personal benefits in terms of filling boxes for progression through training because it is increasingly necessary will inevitably be considered by most individuals as one of the benefits of being involved in QI beyond the holistic improvement within a service and better patient outcome. And I think in terms of the challenges, I feel like I've covered them to some degree, but I think often QI is very solution focused and people have identified a problem for which they have the solution for but without a thoroughly planned project, then that's inevitably doomed to fail. And I think another part of the problem is often if we take on board a QI project, people see it as a project, which is then considered to be time limited. And then once your project is done, then that is finished. Whereas really nothing is ever finished. If you're wanting to integrate sustainability and longevity, then you need to have a plan of what you're going to do after you've implemented that change if it shows a benefit how are you going to make sure that's integrated into practice are you going to keep recollecting data to see if it is still of benefit or if it's still being adhered to and are you going to spread that into other areas if it shows a benefit and how are you going to do that so some more thought towards it being integrated as part of the process or service and less towards discrete project that then has end date and after that we never need to think about it again and I think 
we had talked about that it because most trainees are on a rotational basis that can be a massive challenge to getting QI done and particularly if people are only on a four or six month rotation getting a problem area that's clearly identified where you've considered the wider context getting a plan in place with people on board then implementing your change demonstrating improvement and having a plan to implement that going forward and spread to other areas is very difficult to manage within a four to six month time frame unless you're coming in with a clear idea of what the structure of that service looks like and areas that may be amenable to improvement already so i think often what happens is people end up getting involved in qi projects that are already ongoing as opposed to managing all of those steps themselves within one rotation yeah absolutely i think there's just you have a lot to consider particularly for those who are around for sort of the four to six months and having to switch around a lot have you got any advice or sort of top tips to someone who wants to set up their own QI project in something, but perhaps is moving on in four months? Obviously, you've given some advice already, but is there anything else you would go about when you're thinking about the organizing of, of the QI? Yeah, so I think my top tips from the offset would be to, if you feel like you have identified a problem area, try and get some kind of significant stakeholders on board. So whether that be, you know, the department lead in terms of consultants or the nurse in charge for that area so you've got key people that could influence and help implement change within the area that you're working in and also be willing to be told that they don't think that your idea is a good idea and be kind of happy to take that on board and amend your plan as appropriate because you know when the comprehensive geriatric assessment example I gave the main stumbling block with that is that what we had implemented actually then resulted in loads more work for the nursing staff in a way that we wouldn't really be able to foresee because that isn't the job role that any of the people running the project had. So I think it's really being willing for it to be a kind of team and collaborative effort because if it's going to be something that's kind of fruitful and sustainable, everybody will have to be involved in it going forward. And I think probably be willing to not have completed every single step of the quality improvement project within that time frame because essentially if something's going to be useful and meaningful then the biggest amount of time will be in the planning stage rather than the doing and studying stages of the project and so if you were going to be implementing something that's completely new even if you just manage the planning and then were involved more remotely with the rest of the stages, then you have at least set something up that has the best chance of success as opposed to trying to rush something through so it's entirely completed in the time frame that you're there that then results in no lasting change because as soon as you leave, nobody else is taking that on board. Yeah, absolutely. I can I can totally get on board with those points. For someone who is planning on organising a QI project, are there any particular tool? I know you've mentioned a few tools already and a few sort of methodologies that we can go away and look at, but are there any other useful tools or perhaps courses you'd recommend to help develop a successful QI project? Yeah, so more generically, the NHS Education for Scotland has a really useful quality improvement zone that is really accessible, has loads of detail about quality improvement more broadly, but also kind of specific details about QI methodology 
and different QI tools and it's broken down into really approachable sections. So I would really recommend for anybody who hasn't and is planning on doing QI having a look at that. Also the Healthcare Quality Improvement Partnership has a lot of useful guides that are really user-friendly and approachable for methodology and tools surrounding QI. And obviously then we are running a master's course that has um, a 40 credit course on adopting quality improvement in relation to clinical education. So if people are interested in it from that point of view, then I'd recommend the MSc. But those are kind of the more generic ones. Within each individual institution, there will be people that are responsible for QI. And so when you're undertaking any project, you'll have to register it within your own institution. And depending on what the local process is, in some places you have to then have your project reviewed by a QI champion. And I think a lot of people see that as a tick box exercise, but actually these are people who have loads of resources and expertise available to them. And so I think find out what is within your institution and utilize the expertise of the people that are already around you and capitalize on what's already been put in place to make the most of all of the other resources that are available. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's really, really useful and helpful information for, well, for everyone really thinking about QI projects, not even just in healthcare perhaps, but it's really interesting chatting with you. Thank you so much. I'm sure oh, I've learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners will also enjoy listening to all of your top tips and quality improvement discussions. So thank you very much for joining us today. That's okay. Thanks so much for having me.